I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Jeremy Scheinwald here with another episode of Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. I am an entrepreneur and longtime supporter of VFA. You can find my firms at missiondrivengroup.com. But that is uh, more than enough about me. Let's talk about our guests, because today we have two VFA fellows, or former VFA fellows, who've gone on to start their own business together, of course. We have Evan Brandoff and Zubin Tehrani, founders of League Side, a firm which connects youth sports leagues to major sponsors. Your local soccer team may not have the wherewithal to negotiate a sponsorship for uniforms and the like with a large company. And a large company may not want to chase after small, te- small teams. That's where League Side comes in, bridging the gap between youth sports leagues and sponsors, helping to bring down the ever-rising cost of youth sports. Evan and Zubin were VFA fellows prior to launching their own businesses, so the process works. Let's pat ourselves on the back, VFA. Evan was in Detroit as the VP of Business Development at Benzinga, Uh, a financial news website. Zubin was in New Orleans as director of BD for IDScan. If you think there's a chance that these two do not believe in VFA, stop and consider this. They not only launched a business out of their fellowships, but they've returned to VFA to hire a fellow themselves. It is our great pleasure to welcome Evan and Zubin to the show. But first... Support for Smart People Should Build Things is brought to you by Wix.com. A great web presence is essential to running a successful business. If you have a new idea or just need to upgrade your website, check out Wix.com. Wix has something for everyone with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. Not a coder? Not a problem. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You can go to Wix.com and sign up for an entirely free account today. No credit card required. It's easy and the result is stunning. Go to Wix.com today. And now, here is our interview with Evan and Zubin. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy, or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Zubin, Evan, thanks so much for being here. It's always great to have uh, VFA fellows who became entrepreneurs on the show. Uh, I guess the system works. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us. We couldn't be more excited to be on the show. So let's let's talk about those paths to VFA. Um, we'll go, we'll start with Evan. Um, we said your brother on the show. He's an entrepreneur two to three times over. I'm curious, and he and he specifically said that he and your older brother were trying to get you to go to Goldman Sachs. So um, I'm curious about your path. But was there something entrepreneurial in the water in the in the in the Brandoff household that that breeds entrepreneurs? <laughs> you know, I think it was actually lead in the water uh, because you must have you must be crazy in order to to start a company. It's it's a crazy endeavor. 
but no, it was in the water. I grew up in an environment that was extremely supportive, and my brothers are 15 and 17 years older than me. They were just the most incredible role models, and watching them grow up and Randy become an entrepreneur was just such motivation, and uh, just wanted to be more like my big brother and, and had the support system to do so. Were your parents entrepreneurs? They were not. Uh, Dad's an attorney. My mom, uh, she was an interior designer and then was an office manager for a while, but they are the biggest support system, and I could tell them that I'm going to Mars, and they would just be like, okay, great, wear a helmet. <laughs> that's, that's, that's super crucial. It's, it's totally yeah. crucial to have that support system, because it's, it's, it's a risky thing, and you got to feel like people are behind you. Yeah. Um, and let's, let's, let's stick with you, Evan, for a second, because this is, this is kind of hilarious um, and really cool. Uh, you're a passionate enough sports fan that you started a radio show and for those of you out there who can't remember what the radio is it preceded podcasting <laughs> uh, Sports Heaven with Mark and Evan yeah, it was the best yeah. damn radio show the internet could handle <laughs> <laughs> so it was a podcast it was a it preceded podcast it was like a streaming show exactly okay yeah um, so you know like why, why aren't you you know Bob Costas uh, or your generation's Bob Costas right now I guess Bill Simmons <laughs> or someone like that why are you an entrepreneur uh, was that just like a, it was a great hobby uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, that's a good question and you could probably immediately tell it's because uh, I, I'm not very good at this whole po- uh, this would be <laughs> not not articulate enough to to be that uh that said i really thought of that as a business experience from high school my the person mark of mark and evan was very much the uh he couldn't wait to be a commentator one day Uh, i just loved getting sponsors for the show and going out and getting the big guests so it was like running a real business uh from an early age and your brother said that they so yeah they celebrated when you went to goldman and you finished goldman and you were like you know, guys, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. What what wasn't for you? What what did you experience at, at, during your summer internship at Goldman? You know, I don't want to speak badly about any company. It was an incredible learning experience. Uh, but during the year, I was interning for uh, a bunch of different startups and for a VC and seeing what it was like to start a company from the ground. And then interning at Goldman, uh, I felt like a lot of the day it was just waiting to see what project I was given at 5 p.m. Uh, and I wasn't being able to directly impact the company or our clients. So entrepreneurship and finding out about Venture for America uh, just really resonated with me a lot more. No, I agree. And I didn't that. want money. You know, who, who needs money, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. I mean, I think I, think I worked for a year for, uh, for the RBC, the Royal Bank of Canada in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I, I just couldn't handle the fact you had to, you had to sit there till five o'clock, like till I, I would sit there till ten o'clock and, and there was nothing to do and it would still be like you can't leave and I was like this is I, I will say something I felt, I felt like a, like a hostage um, <laughs> to, to articulate it was five o'clock when I finally got the project that right. I knew I was going to do until I didn't even get the project yeah. I, was just there, I was just there sitting there till ten o'clock at night um, so Zubin I'll, I'll let you talk here you've been you've been you've been patient and smiley uh, uh, did you like, did you have entrepreneurial role models growing up or was there or was there something just innately entrepreneurial within you uh, so my entrepreneurial inspiration are my parents. <clears throat> Uh, and I know that's very stereotypical to say, but uh, my mom immigrated from Hong Kong, um, came to the U.S. when she was 18, figured it out, went to a small rural school in Texas and made her way here. Um, and my dad, born in India, came uh, came via England to the U.S., 
stayed here and they just kind of found their way. So, so were, they, were they small business people? My dad is a CPA, so he has a small accounting practice, now semi-retired. Okay, that's <laughs> nice, semi. Um, and my mom was in media, uh, was a CFO and then a CEO, so she's the... Uh, She's the uh, wears the pants in the in the relationship and, and, and runs the household. So. <laughs> okay, and so you know, it seems like you had something innately entrepreneurial. In you, you had great surroundings, but uh, but uh, but something innately entrepreneurial as well. While you're a college student, you started Country to Country, a company that sold SIM cards to students studying abroad. Um, you know what what did Country to Country become, and 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 uh, you know. What did you learn from the experience? Yeah, so I like to say country to country is my first failed business. Um, it was just a result of, I'd studied abroad in Spain, studied abroad in China, and it was the experience the problem yourself and want a solution. So I would land there, not speak any of the languages, kind of be wandering around lost. So we had this idea, let's actually get phones and SIM cards in kids' hands before they went abroad. Um, so it was a great learning experience, but again, uh, not a huge market opportunity. Um, learned that I learned sales, and I learned sales is hard. Um, but it was just kind of my first foray into entrepreneurialism. So that's good. What with a small business like that? I'm assuming it's just you yourself doing all the legwork and whatever. How? What? Or, or maybe there's more. How do you? What, how do you decide when to pull the plug on it? Like, uh, it's hard. So um, I had a couple of co-founders, and we were just scrappy. We bought some phones wholesale from China, got into the US and like, we're just gonna sell these things. Um, and I think the moment for any business where you call it quits is when you don't make any money. <laughs> so you sell all your inventory and you're like, wow, we didn't make any money. That, that was fun, but I don't think this will, this will make but it. But you sold all your inventory. Yeah, true, yeah. but didn't make any money. So the business model was right. there. <laughs> And you, you also you were you were general manager for a division of a, of a four million dollars student run company at Georgetown. You've already run a failed business. Like, why were you why are you thinking VFA? Like, why not just go out there and say, look, I'll just I'll just keep, I've got some experience. I'll just keep throwing stuff against the wall until uh, until I make it work. Yeah. So country to country was like, I'm not ready to do this. There's a lot to be learned. Um, and then working at the corp was incredible and kind of inspired. It actually laid the foundation for me to go into VFA. Um, so what I loved about working there is it's basically, that was my family at Georgetown. So we worked together, we went out together, um, we did everything together. And so VFA is a natural extension of that. It's a whole bunch of young kids, hungry, want to start companies, want to be a part of a community, kind of give back to each other. So it was kind of a natural extension. Country to country was like, I'm not going to make it yet. Uh, <laughs> the court it. was like this family type of entrepreneurial, um, system is awesome and then VFA was just an extension of that. Just having a community around you was really important. Absolutely. And Evan, how did you how did you so aside from just being like look Goldman's not for me. I mean Goldman's not for you but there could have been many things that were that were good for you. How did VFA how did you find VFA and how did you how did you determine it was something you wanted to do? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And uh, to be honest, I think like most uh, 21, 22-year-old senior year of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew that, that Goldman, I, I felt like it wasn't for me, uh, but didn't know what my next step was. And I actually read a Wall Street Journal article about Venture for America, uh, and then did some research, looked at the website, and I'm like, this is pretty cool. I probably won't get in, but why not throw in an application? So I ended up going through the application process, which is crazy. But is that a Shinola, by the way? 
Ah, rep <laughs> in Detroit. I like it. Absolutely. They're, 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 as I mentioned during your brother's show, they uh, they are. Uh, this was given to me by, by my mother-in-law for my, my 40th birthday, and uh, and they are um, the founder of Shinola. Speaking at the summer cell, the VFA summer celebration yeah. on June second. Second, yeah. Second, might be fourth. I think I'm, it's second though. Which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right, right, went through the, the interview. <laughs> back to you, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> back, back to me. <laughs> you know, I, thought, I thought you were being self-deprecating earlier, and you're like, yeah, you know, I wasn't that talented a uh, you know a radio a radio show host here, but uh, you know that 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 just completely random digression. There, you may you may prove your point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Around. Okay, so back yeah. to you, Evan. I'm just kidding. Around. I don't even remember what I was saying. Uh, so <laughs> you were you were 100 right. No. So anyway, uh, we, how you you found a uh, Wall Street Journal article? Yeah, and re- went through the application process. And, and through that process, uh, met incredible, incredible entrepreneurs, and it all, the last day of the getting into Venture for America is uh, called Selection Day, and it's, it's a full day, nine to five, of team activities, uh, three-on-one interviews, one-on-three interviews, just a, an absolutely crazy day, and, and that final Selection Day, so what and meeting older fellows is like, this is for me. This is what I want to be doing. And when I got into the program, it was a no-brainer that Venture for America is where I wanted to spend the next couple of years. I got to actually jump in there with the, the whole, the, with the VFA application process here, because I've been, a, I've been a Selection Day judge on a couple of occasions. And, uh, you know, we turn the screws on, on applicants. It's, you know, you can see me smiling now. I'm not a bad guy. And I, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm usually not, in my own business, I'm not a tough interviewer. But VFA, you know, there's guidelines, so I'm a tough interviewer for the VFA interview process. Process. Long way of saying, did you guys, when you were going through the process, be like, yeah, I'm not getting this fellowship? Or were you like, yeah, I did pretty well and I think I'm going to get it? And you can be honest. No, absolutely. There's completely a, a element of self doubt the whole time. You're just getting stone faced the whole time. And you're trying to. Inter- I, I remember I had one question in my interview day where someone responded to a customer service um, inquiry. And then the judge turned around and asked me if I thought the other applicant's response was ethical. And so I was just like, uh, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, intimidating experience. Uh, to be honest, I felt pretty damn good. I don't know if I could say damn on this podcast. You can say damn if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt pretty good th- through that day. Uh, I felt really confident I was going to get in. And because of that confidence, I'm like, wow, if this is what entrepreneurship is, if this is what joining a startup at an early stage is like, this is what I want to be doing. But it just felt right. So you two, I'm guessing you met at the summer training camp? Or did you meet beforehand? Was there a VFA event beforehand? So you met at the summer training camp. You guys are both nodding. Well, um, apparently we met before that, but I don't remember meeting before that. Yeah. Only Zubin does. <laughs> it was love at first sight for me, and he was playing hard to get, obviously. <laughs> so was it? Was it entrepreneurial love at first sight? I mean, were you guys like, yeah, I, I met this guy, and I'm going to start a business, and you know, we're going to be we're a good match for each other? Or um, like, did you, did you imagine you were going to be business partners one day? It was just like social so, meeting. Evan and I have a really weird – so I grew up – I was born and raised in Dallas, and so all my high school friends went to UT, and then Evan went to UT – and then they became fraternity brothers. So we have like all these weird connections and then going to training camp, we're just like, oh yeah, I know, I know Evan. So um, over the course of our two year fellowship, Evan and I were constantly calling each other and bouncing ideas off each other. So I think it, in some degree, yeah, yeah I think it was entrepreneurial love at first sight. Can you share the reject list? What, 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 uh, oh, what, what could have been league side instead of league side? <laughs> there was a, uh, a way to cut lines at restaurants. Uh, so speed pass for restaurants. Uh, a, a stock market for sports teams. That one got a little bit of traction. 
I mean, we bounced around some crazy ideas, a vending machine to go on beaches. Beach bum box. The beach butt up, up, up. We haven't had a jingle for that one. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make you sing us out of this podcast with the the jingle. Please don't make us do that. (laughs) (laughs) If you want people to listen to any future episodes, you should not do that. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Usually I ask people people like, yeah, I've been keeping a list for a long time, and I'd scratch them off after a couple months. And I'm like, you want to share some ideas? like, Nope. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad you guys yeah. shared a few. Yeah. So so um, and so okay. So so you arrive at the idea for League Side a little later on, but in the meantime, you're at you're at training camp, and I imagine it's like is training camp like founder dating? <laughs> it's like everyone's just matching up, and, and you're like, oh, I got to quickly. That guy looks really smart. I got to, or that woman looks really smart. I got to meet her before you know someone else grabs her and makes her their business partner <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, you know, just tell us about the about the about the vibe at a VFA training camp. Yeah. It's like summer camp meets an intense five-week MBA program with a lot of alcohol thrown in. So the day programs are just intense, learning from awesome speakers and doing group activities. And then nighttime, it's okay, like – like you said, it is very much founder dating. You got you're pretty smart. Now let's see if we actually connect, and then we could hang. And then it's yeah. just hanging out at night. Uh, would you add to that, Zubin? Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's uh, it's just like normal. It's like friend dating because it's like summer camp. So you're just finding your crew who you mesh with uh, appropriately. We played a lot of basketball together. That's why we have a sports startup. Um, so that's, uh, Zubin played basketball. I kind of just stood there. Um, and you know, you, I mean, so you guys, you guys meet, you kind of, you know, you go through the training camp experience, which is very intense and, and forms a lot of bonds. I'm always impressed by how, you know, people stay in touch as they go to their far flung places. Zubin, you're off to, to New Orleans and, and, uh, Evan, you're off to Detroit. First of all, I mean, it's one thing to kind of like abstractly be a part of VFA and say, yeah, like I'm, I'm and you don't know where you're going at the beginning. I mean, did you did you have anyone like Evan? You come from a pretty tight family. Did did you was your was your family like our baby? You know, you said like you're what are you seventeen younger years younger than Randy? 15, Fifteen, 15 th- younger and then seventeen younger than. So you're fifteen years younger. You know, it's like our baby's going to Detroit. Is this is this a good idea? <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually a funny story about that. Like I was saying before, my parents, my family has always been extremely supportive of every decision I've made. I spent a summer in the Dominican Republic, and they're like, that sounds great. I chose to go to University of Texas instead of Cornell, like my two older brothers. And they're like, uh, okay, we trust you, go. Turned down Goldman to, to, to do Venture for America. Once again, they're like, all right, the, why are you turning down Goldman? But we still trust you. Then finally, when I was moving to Detroit, that was the first time when my parents kind of jumped in and were like, are you, are you sure this is the right move? Like, we're going to support you, but are you sure you want to be moving to a, a city that's struggling pretty significantly mm-hmm. right now? But anyways, uh, it happened. Uh, took the, the job with Benzinga in Detroit. My mom came for the car ride with me uh, from New York, uh, to Detroit, car packed, and you know she she's like, you know what, Evan, this this looks nice. We, we get into we're pulling up into Detroit, and there's a lot of construction going on. She's like, hey, there's gotta be money here if they can afford to do construction. This this is a good sign. Then we pull up to the building where I'm gonna be living the next two years, <laughs> and. It kind of looks like a weird Chinatown, and I had visited. I don't remember there being Chinatown right next to uh, 
the building I'm living in. And all of a sudden, boom, there's an explosion right next to the building that I'm going to be living in. Oh my God. There's people running out, like the, the craziness. I'm starting to freak out. My mom is absolutely panicking, but I'm trying to calm her down. Like, mom, it's okay. I'm, I'm sure this was planned, but I'm frantically calling some people that already live there. Finally, uh, get an older 2012 fellow, Brent Baltimore, on the phone. I'm like, Brent, what is going on? There's just an explosion next to our building. And he just starts laughing. He's like, welcome to Detroit, man. <laughs> Turns out it was the set of the new Transformers movie. Oh, we were filming. <laughs> That's I was. It's funny you even say this. I, I I thought that was where it ended with Welcome to Detroit, man. I was, I, and I was thinking to myself, oh, it's probably the set of some movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that allowed you to stay because if had it, had it actually been Welcome to Detroit, period, your mother, your mother would have turned around in the car and. Um, I, think this, I don't think League Side would be around right now. <laughs> Uh, so Zubin, I mean, you were the first. You're, well, you're the first Nola fellow that I spoke to on the show. Can you give us a sense? Like the Tr- Detroit crew seems so tightly bound together. Like, is it the same thing in 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 New Orleans? Um, you know, were you were you? Did you feel like you were part of the community as soon as you arrived? Oh, absolutely. So uh, New Orleans likes to call themselves Silicon Bayou down there. It's a really close 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 knit community entrepreneurs. Um, and the VFA community is all integrated through there too. So you have fellows at nonprofits, you have fellows at um, community organizations. One fellow was at a company that started a new company every single week for a year, <laughs> all 52 businesses. Um, so it's a really close knit community. And then New Orleans itself, have you ever been to New Orleans? I was. I've been there once for my, for my bachelor party. Actually, it's a great town. I mean, it's it's a fantastic town. I, I had tons and tons of fun there. Oh, absolutely. So. I like to say people either love New Orleans or they hate New Orleans. There's no in between. Yeah. Um, and I think the VFA crew there is very much on the love side. There's just so much to do. It's a young city, uh, no open container law, so you're always going out and hanging out. Everything is um, surrounded around the, the culture down there. And Fantastic the food. food. I love the food, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, so I'm gluten intolerant, and it's a lot of fried food, so... I'm a little like, like can't have a po' boy, can't really appreciate all this, but right. yeah, still amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're the you're the you're the one of the very few people who actually can't tolerate gluten and is gluten free, as opposed to the rest of the world, which has no reason to be gluten free. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so and it's slimming, so I get both benefits. <laughs> <laughs> you joined ID Scan as manager of BD. I mean, manager of BD. It sounds like a pretty serious responsibility. How did you know how to manage BD at uh, at ID Scan when you arrived? Uh, I would say I didn't at all. Um, I was very fortunate that uh, the founders there trusted me a lot. Um, they were in their 40s. They were like, this is young young blood. We'll just throw them into the flame and see see what happens. So uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of like cold emailing, um, probably doing things that I shouldn't have done with clients and not being as professional as I should have been. Um, but it's all a learning experience. So. Um, I think in VFA they like to say Google your way to success. So just a lot of how to like handle BD at ID scanning company. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it was it was just a learn by doing type of deal. So, so just I mean, just tell us about the experience in general. I mean, give us a window into into what it was like to be at at, at this startup in, in in New Orleans ID scan. Yeah, so I remember one of the first tasks is I walked in. They're like, um, we need a new website. Figure it out. So um, it's like we need better marketing channels. We need to turn everything from us going and headhunting companies to flipping the switch and having them come to us. So it was like all of a sudden I have to learn how to build a website, how to design a website, what does getting inbound leads look like. Um, And then also being able to be like, hey, we need to go after these 15 companies 
figure it out. So I was like, all right, I'll just send a whole bunch of cold emails. Maybe I'll make a lot of cold calls. Um, and then as ramping up saying, uh, okay, well now we have to hire. And then what, what is hiring? You know, I've never managed anyone really in my life. So um, it was just a lot of kind of putting out fires just because we're a small company. And then thinking strategically, like this is a big task we need to do, sales, figure that out. Yeah. Zubin, I think you just said the magic words there. You said you need to build a website. Do you need to build a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? I'm getting really good at these ads. <laughs> no matter what business you're in, you can get your site live today. It's simple to customize. Don't know how to code? Not a problem. There's no coding needed at Wix.com. Millions of entrepreneurs create their own professional websites using Wix.com, and the results are stunning. Wix gives you access to hundreds of customizable templates and easy drag-and-drop tools. You can get up and running today. You can go to Wix com and sign up for an entirely free account today, which is, I always like to talk about the virtues of bootstrapping. Free is really the, the, the bootstrapper's friend. There's no credit card required. Go to Wix.com today. Um, Very nice segue. Thank you. Okay. So Evan, I mean, same thing. Like you're, I mean, tell us about, about Benzinga and, and, you know, just finding your way through your first professional experience where... Like, I mean, I think there's a reason why, you know, there are major companies recruiting on campus because they've got really structured training programs and it's it's a comfortable way to enter the work world. So, you know, it's risky to be entering the world, uh, you know, the work world at a startup that's, I'm assuming there was no training program at Benzinga. So just, I mean, tell us about how you found your way. Yeah. Uh, so Benzinga is a financial media uh, platform that has everything from Benzinga.com, which is articles about what's going on in the market and trading ideas. Then we had proprietary news feeds and data feeds that we would license out to the TD Ameritrades of the world, hedge funds, uh, day traders, in order to help them understand the markets better. Uh, so I came in, it was already a 25-person team, uh, and I was fortunate to, or unfortunate enough, to share a desk with the CEO, Jason Rasnick, uh, for the first year, which was incredible, you know, uh, literally as close to, we're, we're sitting right next to each other for all Two you feet. listeners. Yeah, <laughs> we, we would sit next to each other, and, and he, I would do emails for him. He's like, how would you respond to this email? And I, I would just do it for him, and did that for an entire year. Uh, and eventually it evolved into, and I worked extremely closely with, with the president of Benzinga as well, uh, and eventually it evolved into a role where I was leading advertising for Benzinga.com that had a, a few million unique uh, visitors every single month, and B2B sales. So going out to, I was traveling every other week to other huge financial institutions, uh, convincing them that they needed our news feeds. Uh, so my experience was unique in a sense where it was a larger company, still a startup, but at 20, 25 employees at the time. But big host of the, I guess, the name brand of Venture for America, they brought me on not, not just as another employee, but uh, they were incredible mentors to me and took me under their wing, which is such an incredible experience. So let's 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 finally get to league side. I mean, yeah. like, you know, because of the VFA podcast, I think it's it's just really great to talk about the whole experience as a fellow. Um, but it, it seems like league side sort of was born fortuitously. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about the insight that you had that led you to want to start league side? Sure. So was running advertising for Benzinga in Detroit. One weekend volunteered at a basketball tournament in inner city Detroit. 
And these kids, they were like 12 years old and dunking. It was the most incredible basketball uh, you could imagine. But more importantly, for running out media ads, I would see how companies would spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising that just wasn't really reaching their target audience. When I was at this basketball tournament, I looked around the audience and realized there is no better way to reach families at their in their backyards at the highest impact level than at a youth sporting event. And on the flip side of the coin, uh, these kids need the money. There's 71 billion dollars spent on youth sports every single year. Uh, school programs continue to get cut year over year. Participation rates continue to decrease. So had this aha moment. How do we connect? big sponsors with this fragmented market. There's 200,000 youth sports organizations across the country. So called Zubin and was like, hey, uh, I think we have it. I think let's <laughs> scrap the, the beach bum box and then this is, this is what we should roll with. I mean, just practically speaking, so our, so our listeners know, how do you connect them? What, what, what is the model that allows you to connect youth sports leagues? And I mean, you've got some amazing um, you know, brands on your website already. McDonald's, I think, was Smoothie King one of them? Yep. Um, I do my homework. Applebee's, uh, Columbia Apple. Sportswear. So, so how, how, practically yeah. speaking, what do you what do you do? Yeah, so for uh, everyone who doesn't know what League Side is, we are a marketplace that connects community youth sports organizations with regional and national sponsors. So think Little League Baseball, youth soccer. Uh, and there's there's two sides to what we do. First, we go out to sports leagues and we say, hey, uh, would you like us to come in and help? help us get you sponsors unanimously they say yes why not yeah yeah <laughs> free money <laughs> yeah. and then we go to brands and we say hey mcdonald's uh we've got sports leagues where all your mcdonald's are uh where do you want to tap into and who do you want to reach and then right now we are very much the middleman that facilitates the sponsorships uh, with all the sports leagues they're, they're trying to tap into. So, I mean, you guys are obviously, um, you know, you're well-bonded, good friends. Um, everyone here should know you guys not only work together but live together in, in Philly right now. Yeah. Um, Zubin went as far as calling, yourself, calling you guys life partners, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so, I, but I'm curious, like, when you have this insight, why, why did you think to yourself, I got to call Zubin. I mean, why not do it by yourself? What what? Why did you feel you needed a partner? And remember, Zubin sitting right here. Yeah. So uh, fortunate. Uh, well, first off, Zubin is incredible, as as hopefully everyone could tell just from listening to him for for ten minutes. Second, uh, would never could never take on this endeavor uh, by myself. That's uh, through Venture for America and through you know having a, a mentor like my big brother Randy, who's uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's not good to do to do this alone. Uh, and the combination of not wanting to do it alone and also having someone incredible that complements my skill set so well in Zubin, it was just a no-brainer to, for us to do it together. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more fun to do it together. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys – go ahead, Zubin, sorry. Oh, no, it's just uh, – it's very much a, like a relationship. Like, <coughs> he compliments me, I compliment him. We're very open with our feedback and how we kind of address each other, and then we work hard to make it a fun endeavor and, and kind of worth the journey. Mm-hmm. As much as the the end goal, I had a early in my career, in my entrepreneurial career, not in my own the business that I'm a part of now. I had a pretty rough experience trying to start a business with a friend, and without going into too many too many of the details, it made me realize that every time you start a business, you should have everything down beforehand, like really have a very clear understanding of who's doing what, equity issues, you know, all tucked away. Uh, just everything should be very very clear. I'm curious if you guys. You know, learn as you went, or if there were a lot of ground rules when you when you started. Do you want to? I have 
Yeah, you know, we always hear... After I've been moralizing about it, you're like, yeah, we didn't do the one that you're talking about. We did the other one where we just sort of figured it out as we went along. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think it's fair to say that Zubin and I would have considered ourselves uh, good friends before we started the company together. But uh, in reality, it was more like a, a digital friendship where we would catch up every other week to talk about business. And our and our friendship very much revolved around uh, starting a company. And of course, when we would see each other, we would just have fun. Uh, and there, there's always so much advice about don't live with your co-founder, you have to have separation. And I really think that every single, it's so situational for us, I think it's great. Yeah. Like if we're, if it's the middle of the night and we have ideas, like I go wake them up. <laughs> yeah. We have a whiteboard. We have so many whiteboards everywhere. Yeah, we're on the same page. We can complete each other's sandwiches. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for us, like of course we have disagreements, but we knew going in that we were equal partners. So it was very clear cut. And of course, it's still early days, and we we fight, but like we never go to sleep angry. And and. Uh, <laughs> That's your rule. And and for us, the living together, working together, it, it's been an awesome experience. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. So when you finally decide, like, uh, okay, both of you guys get it at this important gut level that you have to get a venture at the start. You're both excited about it. Now what? What what happens? Where, where are you done your fellowship at that point? How how much more time do you have in your fellowship? And what are the first steps you guys took to, to get going? So VFA, um, again, being VFA, an incredible support network and, and providing amazing resources, launched an accelerator program in Philadelphia. So Evan was in Detroit. I was in New Orleans. And the reason why we're in, in Philadelphia now is because of the VFA Accelerator. So um, they, through Josh Koppelman, who is a part of first round, or heads first round, um, donated space for us to work in. VFA connected us with a bunch of mentors to take league side from, at the end of our two-year fellowship, from an idea that we were bouncing around to having a safe space to really figure it out, to hit the phones and call brands, hit the phones and call leagues and see is this something feasible? Is this something that could actually be a business that we could grow um, and kind of make our baby? What was interesting, though, is we thought of League Side in January. We applied to the accelerator in February. And once we got in, we had 48 hours to decide. And it was very much just an idea at that stage. So we had 48 hours. Uh, you know, Zubin had a couple of awesome job opportunities. I was just promoted to vice president at Benzinga. And we're like, do we? Should we change our lives? Should we go change cities for an idea? And and looking back on it, if we didn't have that forty-eight hour deadline and that push, we might never have 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 done that. So you said that the pressure was <clears throat> was a positive, and it made you just decide and and go forward and and start league side officially. Yeah, probably yeah. in the beginning of the accelerator when we didn't close a deal right away, we were like, "What the hell? What did we give up?" <laughs> yeah. And it's always easy to say that because League Side's still around now. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so tell us about the accelerator. Like, what, 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 what got accelerated? You started with just a concept, and then you were, you were how long? Sorry, how long did the accelerator run? Three months. Three months. When you were three months out, what did you have? 
a, a, a better baked idea. No, by the, <laughs> by the time we were done with the accelerator, uh, we had close to 500 sports leagues in our net. We had talked to 500 to 1,000 sports leagues about what we can help them with. And I think we had uh, Applebee's, uh, Fathead, we had, and we already had a couple of clients coming out of the uh, accelerator, smaller campaigns. Uh, but what was great is that the, at the conclusion of the accelerator, uh, we had the opportunity to, to pitch for, for money uh, from Venture for America in partnership with UBS. They ended up investing $20,000 in league side, which we then turned into a $125,000 round uh, from an investor. If, if uh, you're a football fan, Ronnie Lott is... is oh, well. Yeah. So, sure. Veteran safety from... Well, he's not retired, but I, is he a Hall of Famer? He is yeah. he's arguably the best... Yeah, he's a Hall uh, of Famer. Safety from, from, uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. 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 He he cut off his pinky so he could play in the Super Bowl. And it's that kind of grit <laughs> that, that we look for yeah. at, 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 at league side. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was he was an unbelievable player. Um, yeah, that, that's crazy. So, um, so you guys end up staying in Philly after the accelerator. Was that was it? Was that hard? I mean, did you were you like I kind of feel like I'm supposed to be in New Orleans or Detroit, or was it just like look, that's where life takes you. I mean, I always say that I'm I'm going back to New Orleans at some point. Uh, that community down there, uh, I don't know if I emphasize this enough, is incredible. Everyone's there to help everyone. Um, in terms of staying in Philly, I think. A lot of our clients were in New York. It's great access to talent. It's also a fun city. It's a young city. Um, we enjoy living there. So it just made sense to stay. But there's definitely that feeling. And it's part of VFA's mission, right, to revitalize cities by bringing young people to them to create jobs, create businesses. I feel that connection with New Orleans even more than my hometown, Dallas. And I want to go back to New Orleans at some point to be a part of that that ecosystem. But to clarify, that could be twenty years from now. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Stephen, I, I was watching you on a, uh, I think on a video podcast, and you were talking about you kind of using some sports metaphors. You said you guys fumbled a little out of the gate. Um, <clears throat> I think I just mixed my sports metaphors. Um, <laughs> you know, but you still ultimately got to the point where you had a hundred percent renewal after I, I can't remember what the span of time was. But what did you fumble, and how did you guys recover when you just when you just started out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we fumble probably every day, but luckily we typically jump on the ball and recover. So um, just out of the gate, I mean, it's a lot of just unknowns, right? We have this business idea. We don't really know how execution really looks like. Um, so there are a couple of hiccups right there, but ultimately we're, we're, we're very transparent. We're a startup. We're um, passionate about what we do. We're passionate about um, lowering the cost of youth sports for kids. Um, so that type of transparency with clients has really, really helped in terms of retention, they trust us, they know what we're doing, and ultimately I think we deliver an ROI and really great value to them too. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that, because Evan, you told Philly Mag that, quote, brand recall at youth sporting events is 84%, but brand recall at a pro game is 24%. It's extremely effective marketing. Is it just effective because we love our kids and watch them really closely? Like, what makes it so effective? It's exactly it. that. Uh, it's not just because you love your kids. It, it's a way to tap into, when else are you with not just your kid, but all the other families that that you know in, in one setting just hanging out for a couple of hours completely engaged mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to find another setting like this mm -hmm. and not only that but our sponsors are lowering the cost for all the families they're adding value to these sports leagues uh, not not to mention the fact you have a little girl, right? I have, t I have two little girls. Two I have, little I have, girls. I have one who's three and one who's uh, five weeks old today. Oh. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they're a little too young for, for sports yet, 
but in a few years, not only are you at the game, but you're, you, uh, your wife, are going to be washing the jersey after the game, right. taking pictures and posting them on uh, on Facebook and social media. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. And our biggest, uh, one of our biggest challenges right now, is taking that and turning it into hard data and why it drove more sales to Applebee's uh, and or why more people are going to, to sign up for insurance policies or go to the hospital for other clients. Yeah. Wow, and, you, you guys really have talked to my friend, uh, my friend Adam Grossman from Block 6 Analytics for sure. That's that's the same problem he's working on, so I'll put you guys in touch with him for sure. Um, awesome. Sorry, Zubin, you were going to say something. Oh, and yeah, if you think about it as a from a brand awareness perspective. If you're on a website and you have a pop-up, you don't want that pop-up ad, but these brands are helping your kids play sports. It's a welcome form. No one's going to be like, don't help kids play sports. Um, <laughs> it's very much a welcome form of, of advertising and, and marketing. Hmm. So, I mean, you're talking a little bit about, we're talking a little bit about, about pain points here. Like you guys are trying to, you're still trying to raise funds at this point and you're still trying to build out your team and just tell me about that, that process in you know in general but like you know how you how you get the point where you're 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 vetting a team and and well, I guess I'm taking going down two paths at the same time I'm I'm the master of asking very long winded <laughs> questions let's let's start with just how are you how are you building out your team yeah so at this point we've been going at it full time for about 15 months excuse me we have two main points of validation one Big brands will spend money on sponsoring these youth sports organizations. And we've proven that by not only getting McDonald's, Smoothie King, Applebee's, Columbia Sportswear, but they're renewing uh, with us 84% of the time, meaning, or 83 or 84% of the time, meaning not only are they happy with their initial campaigns, but they want to continue doing it because it works. We actually, we're actually profitable. We, had, uh, we did almost 200000 in, in revenue last quarter, which is really cool. It's amazing. Two, the second point of validation is this market opportunity. There's 200,000 youth sports organizations uh, that every single time, we, I think we have a 95% success rate when we reach out to a league that they want to join our network. So they're excited to be part of our, our, our network. Uh, but to go further, of the 200,000 youth sports organizations, if you could do sponsorships really, really well, you could do $50,000 in sponsorship. Only about 5% of the 200,000 are doing 50,000. The other 95% are lucky if they get $3,000 in sponsorships. So that leaves a, and it's not because they're leagues, they have families that, that brands don't want to reach. It's because getting sponsorships is hard. It's a, it's a volunteer in the community that's balancing their full-time job with managing sponsorships and filling out Excel spreadsheets and going through old emails. So what's next is we're building a platform that's going to make the life of the youth sports commissioner, the head of youth sports sponsorships, a hundred times easier. Now everything is managed on this one platform. And what that's going to allow us to do is aggregate all the inventory and make it just as easy for a brand to go in and sponsor 10,000 youth sports organizations as it is to set up a Facebook ad campaign. So to, to your question, Miss, I didn't answer your question at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're building out a team to, to make that to make that platform possible. Yeah, so we're going to be building a lot of what we've done is being scrappy, doing it by hand to validate what we validated so far. We need to 
go further in building this platform. Because now we're at its very early stages. And someone we might bring onto the team is a co-founder, ex-CTO of a really large company. I don't want to speak specifics, but he, he, he's uh, you know he's a couple of decades. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a couple of decades older than us. Uh, He's knows what it's like scaling a close to billion dollar company. Had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago, saying we need a CTO. He's like, "Yeah, choose me, you dummy." <laughs> uh, so that we're building the, the tech team, and then we also this is a land grab business. There's two hundred thousand organizations. We only have three thousand. We just need to go faster. We need to get as many leagues into our network as possible. And get sponsors. So uh, that's going to consist of getting some account managers and salespeople in order to go out for both the league side and the, the brand side of our of our uh, platform. And, and lucky for us, VFA, obviously, we're VFA fellows. We understand VFA fellows. It's an incredible pipeline of talent for league side to, to hire some really talented young folk out of college where we understand where they're coming from. We understand what they want. Um, and try to create an environment where they'll be successful. Yeah, I definitely want to come back to that hiring of a fellow because you guys have already hired a fellow. But exactly. I want to I want to just ask you one other thing, which is the the second part of my question, which is the funding. Like that's amazing. You guys are pro- profitable already, and I think I, I think profits are underrated. Like I can never understand how companies run on you know the, they take a dollar and sell it for eighty five cents to quote Bill Gurley, I think, and uh, and so. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm 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 curious about this. Like you're saying, you know, I, I, you got to grow faster. You got to just make you know make your moves now. Um, you know, are you still actively fundraising? Or are mm-hmm. you hoping to hoping to you know rely on uh, your muscle and Ronnie Lott's muscles to make it to make it happen? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have we're at a point of validation where we feel ready and confident that it's time to put the pedal to the metal and grow faster. So we're raising a $750,000 convertible note right now, half of which is already committed in, in just the first couple of weeks that, that we've started to, to talk to folks. Uh, and uh, this, this money is going to allow us to, you know, as you just said, we, we're profitable. We have over a year of runway, even if we didn't make another dollar. Uh, but this is going to allow us to start getting aggressive and and uh, really make something happen here. Let's talk about hiring a fellow. So you, yeah. you, you I, I apologize. Her name eludes Sophie. Me. Sophie K. And she's amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, what was that like? I mean, what was it like to? It must have been hugely gratifying to have to have, to, to bring a fellow on board and and to fulfill the mandate of VFA, which is to you know to revitalize city through employing you know by building companies, employing people in those cities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was it weird to be on the other side of the table and and yeah. tell me about that experience? <laughs> uh, I mean, Sophie's incredible. So. Um, <laughs> Be, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we went through this fellowship. Now we're on the other side. But it is kind of weird going from interviewing at all these amazing companies and hoping they'll hire you to now having to be like a, a boss. And um, we are a close-knit family. We um, work, obviously, there's just three of us. So we work at the same table every single day. Um, but it is kind of weird having to now be someone's boss, manage them, have a little more formal relationship along with being and understanding where they're coming from. But I think it's probably one of our biggest milestones, one of the happiest moments, most gratifying moments of what we do. Um, But 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and Sophie, a little background on Sophie. She she uh, joined League Side uh, after graduating from Yale last year. Then uh, she went through training camp, came to Philly, joined our team. Um, She's not, she's not living in the same apartment with you guys, is she? <laughs> no, she's not. And you're not, to that you're point, not making her sandwiches, are you? <laughs> we, well, we're, we're not. And that, to that point, that is a big challenge about uh, having a team of three. The two co-founders live together. And then and this isn't just Sophie. This is, in, in general, a big challenge is when you're a small team and there's two co-founders that live together, how do you constantly over communicate with with that third team member and that's a a big challenge uh that we have and uh sophie is is incredible and she works so hard and we're so lucky to have her uh and have her as part of our family as zubin called it uh but something that we need to be super conscious of, especially as we keep growing the team, is if Zubin and I continue to live with each other, uh, <laughs> uh, how do we still cre- create a family where, where everyone is completely openly transparent? Uh, so how do you how do you how do you extend the cult, like not be too too exclusive yourselves by exactly. you know, you know, yeah like exactly. the late like what everyone was saying the late night whiteboarding sessions how do we right. It's hard to communicate that or share that with the rest of the team because we are literally in the same room twenty four seven. Yeah, um, yeah. I find that to be a problem myself. I mean, I, I just get ideas. I get excited about them. I call one person, tell them about it, and just sort of think like, oh, I forget that other people on my team need to know about exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. But with that said, Sophie has already closed like five deals. She a little backstory about Sophie. Sophie, um, she actually uh, lost a lot of her hearing when when she was younger. Uh, and she accredits competitive soccer to to bringing her back, making her feel you know normal again. Because when she was on the field, she was just another another player. Hmm. She became an, a national spokesperson for a huge uh, foundation, uh, and you know because of her story, she is able to resonate. Uh, she connects with us what we're trying to do and our mission so well, and is able to articulate that so well to to the sports leagues that we add to our network and the brands that we work with. So she's been an all star. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I this is an amazing story, and and I mean, I, the way you described it, I'm, I'm I'm sincerely excited about the idea. I mean, I just I, I am imagining a day where one day some you know McDonald's just walks in and says, okay, we'll take like. 3,000 leagues at once or something like that. Yeah. And uh, then the jerseys show up at the commissioner's doorstep the next day. Do you guys do, you guys do all the fulfillment as well? Or is it that, ex- external fulfillment? External today. We have printers that we work with. but uh, Eventually you'd like to bring it in, in, in-house? Potentially. Okay. Uh, right we'll, now we're just focused on nailing <laughs> what time. we do. Yeah. One day at a time. <laughs> we'll so, see what happens. So, I mean, you guys were good friends when you started this, and you're, you remain good friends. But what have you learned about each other through this process? Let's wrap it with that question. I'll let you go first. What have we learned about each other? You just, you just learn. You, I think you just learned that Zubin likes to defer to you to go first. Is that yeah? <laughs> I, yeah. The, that's a common theme. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what have we learned about each other? Um, saying, was this, was this think, the experience that you expected? Were you like, were you like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting you to like, you know, start airing dirty laundry. Like, you know, I think when you, Evan when, doesn't clean up the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people grow, and you know, expect, it's like you go in the set of expectations, and you know, you, you go through a lot of ups and downs together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that's amazing is I look back on Evan a year ago, and uh, externally and internally, he's just leveled up a lot. He's become. Uh, incredible CEO, incredible leader in terms of culture, in terms of um, his passion for league side. 
Um, I think Evan's greatest uh, strength is his, he's very emotional in, in a good way. He's very passionate. He tells it how it is. He kind of wears um, everything on his sleeve. But uh, it's incredible, like, also living in close quarters with each other for a year, just seeing the enormous emotional, intellectual, uh, intangible growth. Those are all the good things. We don't have time for all the bad things. <laughs> yeah, say, I mean, I wish I could echo the same thing uh, for Zubin. Just thinking about uh, Zubin day one to, to Zubin now. Zubin uh, was already incredible uh, when he came in, but now he's managing pretty much every single campaign. Uh, he's probably doing the job that it would take – 10 normal employees to do uh, and seeing that growth and and uh, he's just the most loyal and supportive person to work with uh, and so good at taking feedback and, and growing. Uh, I mean, I guess what I learned about I, I, every single, I think a lot of reason, my growth comes from just watching Zubin and trying to, to emulate him and be more like him. Uh, so, which goes back to why we complement each other so well. I, I really do think that our we have different strengths, and we're trying to be more like each other uh, and, and finish each other's sandwiches. Let <laughs> <laughs> me just end with that that uh, that line right there, guys. Yeah. I, I'm gonna tell you, I you know, I, I try to I try not to reveal too much um, of my own feelings about businesses when they're on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm here to be a dispassionate interviewer, sort of. I mean, I, I but. Um, we bring the passion you know, out of people. I, I, I mean, I, I've, in, I've invested in, in, a, in, a, in a somewhat similar business. I, I just, I get this, and it just seems really, really obvious. And, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a tremendous success. So I, I wish you guys the best of luck with it, and uh, hopefully we can have you back in, you know, in a year, and we can be talking about how much league set has grown, and then two years we can be talking about how it's, you know, taken over the whole. I don't know, maybe like two years, in a year it's going to take over the whole damn thing. So, <laughs> uh, I thought you were about to commit an investment right now. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk after the show. Uh, so thanks so much for being here, guys. And now we're gonna, are we going to see you guys at Summer Celebration? You're going to make the trip up, from, trip, trip up from Philly? Okay, excellent. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll grab a drink together and talk about your progress in only a week from now, or whenever that is. June, do we get the, we get the date right? Leander's going to kill us. June 3rd? June 2nd? Second, June 2nd. Second, we're we're all checking is. our, checking, checking our, our watch. Second or 4th, whatever that Thursday night is. And it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Everyone should go. Okay. June 2nd. June 2nd. Okay, we'll see everyone then. And uh, thanks so much for listening, and thanks for being here, guys. Thank you so much for having us. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.